often vulgar, always explicit, and sometimes funny. Slap box. Slap box. Welcome to the Slapbox Podcast. This is episode 542. I'm your host, Josh Albrecht, recording once again inside the Slapbox Penthouse. Yes, and that, there goes all my energy. <laughs> I've been sleeping all day. I still haven't been feeling great. Ugh. Ugh. The gift of getting sick. Man, it just, I don't know what it is. My my body. Anytime I get a cold, it's it's gonna be a while before I feel better again. That's like the older I get, the the worse I deal with it. <laughs> it's just a constant annoyance. But uh, anyway, I mu- I muscle on one way or another. I I continue on, continue the show. I've had a a full week of the new year. And uh, it doesn't feel any different than 2022, although I can't remember any any year in the past where I was like, you know what, this feels different. Time feels different now. The year has changed. Like, no, no, I just flipped over another thing on the calendar. Although I got in more, I got an interesting calendar this time around. I, I like calendars a lot. Ever since I started traveling and, well, when I traveled. I haven't traveled in a few years now. Thanks, COVID. (laughs) Ruined all my fun. Maybe I'll get back to it one day, hopefully. Uh, But I got a uh, travel poster. um, One that I put up this time around. I believe I mentioned it whenever I bought it initially. It's got paintings of different European countries. It's all European travel. Uh, Amsterdam is uh, the one for January here. And uh, (laughs) when I say Amsterdam, it just makes me think of uh, the Martin Scorsese classic with Daniel Day-Lewis, Gangs of New York, and one Leonardo DiCaprio. John C. Riley is also in that bad boy. Classic film. I haven't watched that forever. I just envision Daniel Day-Lewis going, Amsterdam, Amsterdam, New York is calling. As that was a terrible Daniel Day-Lewis impersonation, but uh, I tried. <laughs> I haven't seen the film in a long time, so I, you know the voice isn't fresh on the brain. But, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> me and the cat have just been laying around a lot. That's That's what we've been doing other than work. Overtime's dried up, so I just lay around. Hopefully the overtime comes back soon because I need the funds. Having those extra funds was nice. I got a little crazy. The brain went crazy having all this extra money the first couple months at the new job. So I was working a fair amount of overtime and with making more money in an hour. It was like, man, felt like I had a... uh, Endless stream of money after also, you know, for years being used to getting paid every other week, then going to weekly pay check. Man, it seems like the money's never ending. And then, you know, they cut back on the overtime. It's like, oh, shit. Not quite the never ending 
supply of cash that it seemed before. Um, but hey, I got a great record player. That Audio Technica record player. It's pretty nice. Uh, I haven't really listened to it much, though, since I haven't been feeling well. I haven't uh, felt the need to pop on a record as much. I've been, uh, over the last two days, I guess, I started in on the Bernie Madoff uh, docu-series, I guess you'd call it, on Netflix. If you're somehow unfamiliar with Bernie Madoff, which I would imagine in most people are these days unless you're you know a bit on the younger side as uh he's the biggest one of the biggest frauds ever in history i mean he had like the largest ponzi scheme ever but at someone i guess the height of it was worth you know something like 40 billion dollars or something there was a lot of money flowing into that ponzi scheme and it's a good series uh, on the old Netflix. Is sounds like there's like a dump truck or something outside, or I'm hearing the beep 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 like something's backing up. I don't know what's going on out there, but uh, that's a little distracting. Anyway, I'm sure I'd seen stuff about Bernie Madoff in the past, but it's been a long time since I watched any of it. It's interesting to watch. It's uh so far I'm, I'm like I don't know three episodes in or something like that. I'm not sure how many episodes of it. Two or I'm on either episode two or three. Uh, they're all about an hour piece. Um, I believe I'm getting close to the part where he just gets completely busted. It's very interesting that, uh, you know, he had the legitimate business going on while also the uh, Ponzi scheme on the side that actually he created a lot of shit that Wall Street uses today. He was involved in creating, like, the NASDAQ and, like, all kinds of shit. And, like, uh, had it not been for the Ponzi scheme, you know, it would have been a big player, uh, sort of. But it's, like, early on, I guess the Ponzi scheme kept him going and then later on it really kept him going because you know there's a lot of downturns in the uh stock market and such and uh that shit kept them afloat and you know he was a greedy bastard he spent a lot of money you know <laughs> uh it's it's an interesting thing though uh but i found it interesting to look into more of like the history of the ponzi schemes Whereas uh, this is on uh, investopedia.com article by James Chen that was uh, put out this last August. Um, Says here, what is a Ponzi scheme? A Ponzi scheme is a fraudulent investing scam promising high rates of return with little risk to investors. A Ponzi scheme is a fraudulent investing scam which generates returns for earlier investors with money taken from later investors. Uh, this is similar to a pyramid scheme that is both that in that both are based on using new investors' funds to pay the earlier backers. Both Ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes eventually bottom out when the flood of new investors dries up, and there isn't enough money to go around. At that point, the scheme unravels. <clears throat> but uh, I want to go into the history of it. Skip a little bit in this article. The origins. 
of the Ponzi scheme. The term Ponzi scheme was coined after a swindler named Charles Ponzi in 1920. However, the first recorded instances of this sort of investment scam can be traced back to the mid to late 1800s. Were orchestrated by Adele Spitzetter of Germany and Sarah Howe in the U.S. In fact, the methods of what came to be known as the Ponzi scheme were described in two separate novels written by Charles Dickens, Martin Chuzzlewit, published in 1844, and Little Dorrit in 1857. Charles Ponzi's original scheme in 1919 was focused on the U.S. Postal Service. Interesting. The Postal Service at the time had developed international reply coupons that allowed a sender to pre-purchase postage and include it in their correspondence. The receiver would take the coupon to a local post office and exchange it for the priority airmail postage stamps needed to send a reply. This type of exchange is known as an arbitrage, uh, which is not an illegal practice, but Ponzi became greedy and expanded his efforts. Under the heading of his company, Securities Exchange Company, he promised returns of 50% in 45 days or 100% in 90 days. That's some damn good returns. Um, due to his success in the postage stamp scheme, investors were immediately attracted. Instead of actually investing the money, Ponzi just redistributed it and told the investors they made a profit. The scheme lasted until August of 1920 when the Boston Post began investigating the Securities Exchange Company. As a result of the newspaper's investigation, Ponzi was arrested by federal authorities on August 12, 1920 and charged with several counts of mail fraud. In November of 1920, Ponzi was sentenced to five years in prison. I guess I'll read the... There's a couple paragraphs here on Bertie Madoff, as there should be. There should be because he's the... Uh, I mean, the most successful at the Ponzi scheme. Um, see here, Madoff and the largest Ponzi scheme in history. The concept of the Ponzi scheme did not end in 1920. Still continues on to this day. Um, as technology changed, so did the Ponzi scheme. In 2008, Bernie Madoff was convicted of running a Ponzi scheme that falsified trading reports to show a client was earned earning a profit investments that didn't exist. Madoff promoted his Ponzi scheme as an investment strategy called the split strike conversion. Well, that sounds, sounds legit. <laughs> it utilized ownership of uh, S&P 100 stocks and options. Madoff would use blue chip stocks, which have highly accessible historical trading data, which he could back into falsify uh, his records then falsified transactions that never occurred were reported to yield the desired periodic return during the 2008 global financial crisis investors began to withdraw funds from Madoff's firm exposing the illiquid nature of the firm's true financial picture Madoff stated that his firm had approximately 50 billion dollars of liabilities owed to approximately 4,800 clients Sentenced to 150 years in prison with forfeiture of assets of $170 billion. Madoff died in prison on April 14th, 2021. <clears throat> um, yeah, that is... <laughs> that's that's a lot of money, man. That's $50 billion. You owed out. 
to these motherfuckers. And that uh, he ran it for something like 40, 50 years. It was a long fucking time. He got started in like the 60s and then didn't get caught until like 2008. So, yeah, 40-something years. He was running a fucking Ponzi scheme. That's a long time to just keep funneling in new money. That's insane, man. That's insane. But, I mean, there was... <clears throat> the whole dynamic of the thing is very interesting on the documentary. It gets into uh, the building in which both of his businesses, I guess, were uh, in. They call it, I guess, referred to as the Lipstick Building in New York as the, uh, the building... Looks like a lipstick case or something of that nature. Um, but uh, you had the legit business on the 19th floor that was legitimately trading stocks and whatnot. And then the Ponzi scheme was on the 17th floor. And uh, <laughs> you got like in the in the legit business, he was very anal about the appearance of everything. Like, it had to look like the most pristine office. Apparently, he would go around, like, moving people's monitors on their computers and stuff, angling all just right. Everything had to be meticulous and had to look amazing. He wouldn't allow, like, certain things on your desk. Only certain things were allowed there. They had to be the right colors. And uh, he would apparently just go over to people's desk and start moving shit around or getting rid of stuff. And then, uh, then on this, that was on the 19th floor, again, the legitimate business. Then on the 17th floor where the Ponzi scheme was, of course, there was no real investments going on. It was just people (laughs) putting in money to this. And then, you know, occasionally people would get money out. So he'd had to go and pay those people for the most part. (laughs) It was it was bullshit. There was uh, he we had to create fake returns and uh, stuff to send people and and show where the money was going and uh, and whatnot. So they had like an old. <laughs> I I've tried to like Google this. I'm not sure why that uh, this guy that was a billionaire <laughs> and had. Granted, you know, it's technically not, you know, his money that was coming in. The legit money, the legit business made some money at at one point. But there was times when it was uh, not making money. And then the Ponzi scheme had to to bail it out and such. But uh, (laughs) the guy could have forked out some money for some better supplies for the 17th floor, you would think. But they used a dot matrix printer, um, which is about as old school as you can get as far as printers go. It's, uh, I'm just like thinking about the sound. Oh man, I, I gotta pull. (laughs) Holy shit, man. If you get a re, there were some money now, if you got uh, my old job, man, we actually had some dot matrix printers. I do believe like over in shipping. Maybe they weren't quite dot matrix, but I mean, they were fucking, I used, I mean, I used, I think everybody at one point had a dot matrix printer, but holy fuck, they're so old, so old. Um, uh, let's see what Wikipedia has to say about dot matrix printer. It, uh, 
is an impact printer that prints using a fixed number of pins or wires. Typically, the pins or wires are arranged in one, sev one or several vertical columns. Pin strike and ink-coated ribbon and forced contact between the ribbon and the paper so that each pin uh, makes a small dot on the paper. The combination of these dots forms a dot matrix image. Um, let's see. The history of in the 70s and 80s, dot matrix impact printers were generally considered the best combination of cost and versatility and until the 90s were by far the most common form of printer used with personal and home computers. The first impact dot matrix printer was the Centronics 101. But, uh, yeah, shit. The, and like the sound of them. I love the sound of those old printers. Uh, but then, like, also, too, on the dot matrix printers, I didn't mention this, but, like, to feed the paper, like, they've got, uh, like, the holes on both sides of the paper that uh, I guess would uh, the printer itself would grab a hold of those holes, which I find like, I'm surprised they don't use this more on printers these days. Cause I know that, you know, there's some whenever like I printed t-shirts and I was using, I had to print on uh clear, uh, the term eludes me, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I had had to make positives, because when you burn a silk screen, okay, you're uh, you're basically creating big stencil. Um, you have to uh, you print on a clear transparency film, and uh, you know so it would it would have been handy if it had something like some uh, holes on the side for the printer to like latch onto and hold it down. I feel like you'd get a you wouldn't have any smudging and such. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I was about to get into a big thing on how silk screening works, and I was like, you know what, that's going to take too long. So I just kind of abandoned that. I just wanted to talk about how printing the fills would have worked better. And they used the whole thing on the side to, uh, well, I don't know. Anyway, my, my, my printer worked pretty good that I had. It was, a, it was a good printer, even though it didn't. The hard part about the transparency fill is you had to print on the right side. And again, this is a clear... Uh, transparency film it was hard to tell if you had the right side because one side had a coating on it and if you print it on the wrong side the ink would just wipe off the damn thing I feel like it would have been better had there been some kind of marking on one side to kind of let you make it a little bit easier to differentiate if you had the right side maybe not holes in the side anyway again Bernie Madoff was using these old dot matrix printers which is one of the oldest like printers out there for his Ponzi scheme. Now, again, in his legit business that uh, the government was aware of, <laughs> that uh, Wall Street was all too familiar with, and uh, they used top-of-the-line stuff. Everything was meticulous. Then in the non-legit part, like, I feel... <laughs> I, I feel like it was almost a joke to to just keep using the dot matrix printer. I don't know why they kept that going. It's not that much money to buy. Like he was going into the two thousands. He could have bought a better printer, man. <laughs> he could have brought a better printer at any point. I mean, he started the Ponzi scheme, in the 60s. Sure. You know, when the dot matrix printer came out, it was like, holy shit, this is great. This makes this so much easier. 
Um, <laughs> although, from what I understand, there was like no records at all at first until the people started asking questions and were like, "Well, we got a fake returns and stuff, so we got to get a dot matrix printer." Uh but googling it, it's giving me no answer to why he continued to use the dot matrix printer into the two thousands. Like why? Why? By the nineties, people quit using those things, with the exception of you know businesses that didn't want to spend any money in upgrading or individuals. I guess you can buy them online still, apparently. But uh, there's. <laughs> And apparently some of them are expensive. Some of them, like a Vecmar here, $449. There's an Oki Printer Data Microline 320 Turbo New Mono Dot Matrix Printer, $1,100. What the fuck? Well, maybe I guess, I mean, this does look like an old one. It is, Jesus. Why the fuck would you want a Dot Matrix Printer now? <laughs> apparently you can still get their cartridges and shit. Uh, I wonder how how long those uh cartridges last. Cause you know the uh the print that's the worst part about using a a home printer now. It's goddamn cartridges and those things cost a fucking fortune. Like you got to be printing, uh, you know, a decent amount, or on a regular basis, so that uh, your printer cartridges don't wear out. And it's, you know, like 40 bucks or so for a fucking new cartridge. Kind of a pain in the ass. Um, <clears throat> oh, some of these, some of these that are, oh, well, that micro line, that is a dot matrix. Some of these are just really nice printers. They're not dot matrix <laughs> that they're showing. Uh, but apparently, I guess there's a fair amount of dot ma- matrix printers still, uh, still being produced. Looks like there are some newer ones, but the ones Bernie Madoff was using were like OG or the one, I guess. Was like a, probably maybe you just had like some kind of sentimental value over this dot matrix printer. I know I do enjoy the sound of them. Those are fantastic. But again, it was almost like, oh, you could have put in a little bit more effort, but obviously he got this thing to work for over 40 years this whole Ponzi scheme so the dot matrix printer not not a real liability <laughs> maybe that sold it more <laughs> but the people he were was getting to buy in man were you know the most richest people on earth and uh, it's just it's just fantastic I, I love it when I mean it's terrible that uh for some of the people, I mean, there were thousands of people that lost money with Bernie Madoff. They weren't all obscenely rich. Um, and some people lost, like, all the money that they had and everything. But I kind of love it when rich people, like, extremely rich people, like, lose their money. It's, uh, <laughs> there is something satisfying to me in that. In that I've, you know, I've never had a lot of money. Um, <laughs> but, uh... <clears throat> I kind of do see the uh, stock market in, in general like a lot there's a lot of thieves in that whole game that just kind of betting on like the futures of companies and and whatnot and then uh 
you know, you got your insider trading and there's just, just a lot of thieves, a lot of thieves, very little regulation. Not many people watching. Obviously, you know, Bernie Madoff was able to get away with that for again, over 40 years. Cause no one really looked into it that much. It took a long time for people to finally be like, there's something fishy going on over here. And then to have, uh, the government to really go after him because he was he was Bernie Madoff he was the man the burn everybody was feeling that burn he didn't rock any mittens though he's no he's the complete opposite of Bernie Sanders I'd way rather feel that burn that love me some uh the Bernie Sanders and the fact that he ran like a four-minute mile or something like that in his college days. I respect that. I very much respect that. And then we had the bird land on his podium. You know, just classic stuff, classic stuff. Uh, <coughs> Anyway, <laughs> I digress way too much. Um, Yeah, Pon- I don't know how you can, like, run a Ponzi scheme that long. Like, that is just mind-boggling. Like, I can't fathom creating lies that go on like that, like that big of lies, too. It's one thing to, I don't know, create one lie and somebody asks you about it, you just kind of, eh, you know, <laughs> just disregard it uh, about whatever. But this is like people, you are getting money from people. That, you know, they're expecting for, like, their retirement and such. This is their lives, and you're just like, oh, you know. You're you're not just, like, passively, you know, occasionally going over, like, this lie. And you're getting pe- – you're selling people on this, and, like, the whole thing is a fucking lie. And uh, I don't know. I just can't – just can't fathom. Keep Keep going in that. Like, uh, apparently it started, too, that uh, his early days of trying to get into the stock market uh, is that his father-in-law had a uh, group of friends that invested in him, and uh, it he had over to... I'm not familiar all that familiar with how uh, he was... Uh, what do you call it? A personal financial advisor, I guess, is what he was working as. But you have to be licensed to do so. He never got licensed to do so, and uh, he actually these he had like twenty four of them. And if you're over twenty, you have to be licensed. If you're under twenty, you don't have to get licensed. I don't know. Or at least at the time, I am not familiar with any of the laws on this or anything like that. I've just watched a documentary. I'm no expert in any way, shape, or form. Um, <laughs> but, uh, these were his father-in-law's friends and he legitimately invested their money. He did what the work of what an actual investment advisor, I guess, would have, would have done. Um, but he lost their money and, uh, he was doing, uh, regular investing uh, outside of that too, like he had his own little business going and uh, he wasn't making a whole lot of money doing that though. 
and then his stepfather or stepfather his father-in-law sorry um gave him this group of uh, uh investors basically that were friends of his and he lost their money he lost all their money and then what happened was his his father-in-law had given him $30,000 it wasn't like an a astronomical amount of money that you know like he would later <laughs> go through like billions of dollars or anything it was like $30,000 or something to that that uh nature i'm sure that was a lot of money to those investors especially in the 60s but it wouldn't have been like life shattering i would imagine between 24 people to lose that kind of kind of cash uh <laughs> would just been like hey we're never going to invest with this guy again sort of situation however though had that been it i mean it would just been the end of bernie madoff uh career as uh it would have showed that he wasn't this genius investor or or anything like that because he lost all their fucking money and then who's uh to be a good successful investor i guess you gotta have the receipts to prove that you're a you know you're an intelligent investor that you're always showing returns or majority of the time rather and this is right off the bat basically he lost their fucking money his father-in-law writes him a check for like the thirty thousand dollars and then he puts that in and shows that uh he you know uh falsified records to show that he didn't lose their money or something of that nature and then from that on that's just then it just became a full-on like ponzi scheme like don't bother investing the money just get more investors <laughs> I guess maybe even after that there was some slight investment going on, but I guess once, you know, there's there's a slow process to going to a, a full full-on criminal, I guess. <clears throat> but uh I would imagine maybe it was slightly easier back then to do it as well, but from what I understand there's really not that much regulation that goes on on the stock stock market these days. So Maybe it's not really that hard to uh, to do it now. I, d- I don't know. Not really something I want to try out. And I feel like I would uh, morally have some issues with it. That taken, because this is a lot of times it's like people's retirement money. They're uh, they're expecting, you know what? I'm good. I'm done with working. And then wanna, I'm going to have this nice little nest egg ready for me because I got this brilliant investor over here for me just making me cash. Just passively making me money. I don't have to do shit. I can just make that passive income off my, my great Bernie Madoff investments here. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, it's a good, it's a good watch. It's a good watch. Um, and it's, you know, the shit just, you know, stuff like this happens, like, all the time, the white-collar crimes. And you look at, like, with the crypto market, the uh, Sam Bakeman freed thing with, I mean, crypto is just, I don't know how anybody at this point would want to buy crypto at all, as it's shown to be, you know, 
a lot of bullshit in general. Just uh, another kind of oh, not really Ponzi scheme, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't invest in that shit. Um, you type in crypto in the web, though. Uh, yeah, there's still all kinds of ads. I see those ATMs around town. They're like, "Ooh, get your fucking crypto out of here. Get your Bitcoin." That's like uh <laughs> not worth much these days. Um <clears throat> Now you're seeing all these investigations of these crypto uh places. Like here's a just all these articles. I'm looking at the uh, uh, articles on this stuff. And uh, Silvergate shares plunge 46% as crypto bank cuts 200 jobs. 46%. I don't know what Silvergate is. I'm going to imagine that's a good chunk of their money, though. 46%. Um, I mean, banks are being told basically not to use crypto currency anymore. Warning, like, hey, don't do it. <laughs> it's ran by a bunch of, of frauds. It's taken them, you know, quite a few years to figure this out. Uh, Jesus. Like, there's a lot of, yeah, all these crypto. Co- I would think it's soon, like, it's just going to completely disappear, but I don't know. NFTs. That would always seem like a complete scam to me. That is definitely <laughs> almost a good way to launder money. Like you sell something that's really not worth any money for a lot of money. Good way to launder money. Clean it. Hey, I I bought this picture of a whale that uh, looks like a three-year-old could have created. <laughs> and I don't really own the picture. I can't. Like, print it on a T-shirt and make the, uh, I don't own any of the rights to the image. I just own a receipt that said I bought it. <laughs> it's a non-fungible token. Uh, at the same time, though, you know, I've always, I've always been interested in the possibly getting started and, like, uh, trying to play a little bit of the stock market and everything because, you know, I'd like to make some money at some point in time. And I know I've had people talk to me through the years like, dude, you need to invest in crypto and everything. And uh, I never did. You know, I could have made some money had I had I invested, I guess, at some point in time and pulled out at the right time. You know, that's always the key, you know, pulling out in the right time. It's kind of the, the history of man <laughs> pulling out at the right time. Because, you know, it's always just way too easy to pull out at the wrong time. But uh, I wouldn't be here if, uh, you know, my father not pulled it out at the wrong time. So kudos to, <laughs> to pulling out at the wrong time. Thank you for that. In my case, it worked out. Um, but, the, I mean, there is... T- like there's always been kind of that enticement. I mean, I'm somebody that plays the lottery all the time over the stock market because I kind of feel like I know with the lottery that I'm most likely going to lose. 
And so when I spend, you know, a couple dollars on a ticket or anything, I'm expecting it to just be, I just dropped, you know, two to two dollars or whatever it was. And that money's gone. But there's a small chance that it, you know, might pay out at some point. <clears throat> I feel like it's a better feeling than, say, uh, taking several thousands of dollars and putting it in the stock market and expecting a return on it and then uh, losing all of my money. That's something <clears throat> that uh, just I never really pulled a gun on. Is uh, the stock market? I've just, I guess, because I've grown up in a time of Bernie Madoff and other big uh, drops in Wall Street during my lifetime. That uh, just like I don't know about that. I don't know. But speaking of like the end of crypto, I have found an article here on Forbes, a recent article called "Bitcoin is in for a wild ride in 2023." Here are the predictions. Because I'm, you know, when is the fucking end? what I want to know. I've, it's got to be near, right? It's got to be near. Um, key takeaways. Bitcoin price predictions range from $250,000 all the way down to $5,000. Inflation is a key factor in Bitcoin's price in 2023. Some believe that this year could precede a big rise in Bitcoin prices next year with Bitcoin halving. Um, we all know crypto is the big loser of 2022 because it's fucking bullshit. Uh, but <laughs> Terra Luna ended up being worthless. Celsius went bankrupt, and F- FTX's founder was arrested on alleged fraud charges. This time last year, Bitcoin was flying high at almost $46,000 for one Bitcoin. Now it's only around a third of that valuation. That hasn't dampened the spirits of diehard Bitcoin investors. Many are hoping a comeback is on the cards in 2023 to claw back losses. Others are predicting more crashes, even worse than that of 2022. Uh, saw some are even seeing Bitcoin will disappear forever. It's safe to say the cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin don't follow the market playbook, so predictions range from soaring highs to plummeting lows. Let's look at the high-profile calls for Bitcoin prices in 2023. Let's not. You know what? Fuck that. <laughs> I don't believe. It's basically saying, some people say it's going to be a lot of money. It's going to just just go through the roof. And basically, some people are saying it's going to disappear. That's what this article is saying. In a gist. Like, just kind of thumbing through it. Yeah. Um, that told me nothing. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, it's not like anybody knows when the end of this is going to be. But you would think the bubble has popped on cryptocurrency. Um, man, it's like you would. It's it's crazy that people are still putting money into this shit, though. After the whole F, FTX thing, basically, I mean, from what I understand, I haven't followed it that deeply. But it's basically like a fucking Ponzi scheme <laughs> that he had run into. Um, again, I'm not, you know. A genius. I love the, seeing the stuff about Sam Bankman-Fried, though, because like he's you know had people like Bill Clinton involved and just uh, well-respected individuals and all this stuff, and like he had some big meeting that about FTX, and he was playing like League of Legends instead of like really talking to people at the meeting, and everybody thought, oh, that he's so smart and everything, and. Because he can just like play League of Legends and not care about 
what's going on here? Meanwhile, apparently he's awful at League of Legends. I think it was League of Legends. I've never played it. I'm a, I'm very familiar with the game, but um, yeah, that uh, and the guy, I it looks like the guy just doesn't. I mean, he was uh, was a billionaire. Now apparently he doesn't really have much in the way of any money whatsoever. Uh, looks like you know the clothes that he wore might have spent like thirty dollars on like the the you know from the the neck down everything he was wearing at one point or time or another might have been like oh this was an expensive t-shirt <laughs> uh i think the my favorite um thing to come from like bitcoin and everything and scams it had to be razzlecon though i mean uh there is the Bitfinance uh, hack. I mean, which it was a hack. It wasn't wasn't really a scam. But Jesus, man, four billion dollars in Bitcoin, fucking Razzlecon. Um, it's impressive. That's impressive. And seeing as though they stole it from people involved in crypto, I don't feel so bad about it. You know. Ooh, speaking of that. And back in September, Deadline put out a story because they are making a movie about RazzleCon. Fuck yes. I hope it's a good one. I hope it's a good one. People gave her a lot of shit on the internet. Their videos are pretty pretty bad if you're unfamiliar with RazzleCon. I talked about it year, uh, fuck, I guess a couple of years ago now, whenever that whole thing hit. Um, she was a self self uh described i guess as a uh was it cringe rapper i think she she put it as <laughs> like she's got a uh song and i don't remember what, what the actual title of it is but she's talking about how she's the turkish martha stewart she's i guess her heritage is turkish i think that she lived in new york though could be wrong on that um but her videos are, are pretty terrible. <laughs> Turkish Martin Sturt. Turkish Sturt. Turk Sturt. Turk Sturt. And these, video, these videos are pretty great. <laughs> Which I'll, I'll pull some up here in a second. I don't want to read some of this deadline, but apparently they're making making a movie about good old Razzlecon. And uh, it says here on deadline, uh, the trio. Shit. Damn it. All right, exclusive. The wild story of crypto couple Ilya Dutch Lichtenstein and Heather Razzlecon Morgan. Fucking Razzlecon. Set it to the screen. Hulu. Oh, it's on Hulu. Hulu's in early development on the limited series Razzlecon. The infamous crocodile of Wall Street from Searchlight Television. Lily Collins of uh, Emily in Paris set to star as Morgan in the project which she is producing with Charlie McDowell, who is slated to direct, and Alex Orlovsky. Uh, the trio also produced Windfall, directed by McDowell, and with Callan starring opposite Jesse Plemons. I love me some Jesse Plemons. And Jason Siegel. Uh, the film was released earlier this year on Netflix. Uh, based on the New York Magazine article, The Many Lives of Crypto's Most Notorious Couple, the series focuses on Liechtenstein and Morgan Tipped, 
to be either the masterminds behind one of the largest heists in history or a pair of hapless wannabe entrepreneurs who somehow stumbled onto a hard drive containing $3.6 billion in Bitcoin stolen from the Finex exchange, which I'd like to think that they were the masterminds behind it. Just saying. Uh, the title of the series, RazzleCon, comes from Morgan's alter ego as a YouTube rapper. Described as a character study, a love story, and crime thriller told with humor and honesty, the series will follow Heather and Ilya as they struggle with their relationship, the pressures of sitting on stolen crypto with no easy way to make it liquid, and their aspirations in the fishbowl of the New York City tech media world. The show will be told through the eyes of the couple as well as hackers, bankers, law enforcement agents, and friends. I'm in for this series. Um, Scoop Wasserteen is executive producing the New York Magazine Vox Media Studios. Uh, okay, here we get a little bit more into what really happened. Lichtenstein and Morgan were arrested in February and charged with attempting to launder $4.5 billion in stolen Bitcoin, $3.6 billion of which has been seized by authorities. The couple who faces up to 25 years in prison have been in talks with prosecutors on a plea deal. Collins headlines Netflix hit Emily. Yeah, bah, 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 bah. but yeah, apparently there's a Hulu series wrapped up on it. Um, I feel like Razzlecon's almost a hero for stealing Bitcoin. Fucking <laughs> Heather Morgan, man, Heather Morgan, Razzle fucking con. Um, I, yeah, I'm pulling up some some fucking Razzlecon. Hopefully, they're uh. YouTube's up. The, uh, at one point in time, her YouTube page was taken down, but I know it, it did go back up. Um, let's see here. I'm sure I can find a video of somebody watching her videos. Oh, man, yeah, her, her page is... Her page is back up. And I'm not subscribed? How am I not subscribed? I thought I was subscribed to RazzleCon. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure if she's currently out of jail. I know she'd been bailed out at one point. Um, whoa, she uh, <laughs> she put stuff up as recently as ten months ago. Uh, she's got she still doesn't have that many uh subscribers. I would have thought she would have more than this. She's only got like. 1.99 thousand subscribers. I would expect more from that. I'm kind of kind of saddened. Um, <laughs> yeah, a year ago she was putting out quite a bit of shit. This is a... Uh, most of her videos aren't like music. Um, I got to find the videos though. Ooh, there's a good... That sounds like a great song. I want to find the ones that I know that are just bad. Um, there's a... Uh, there's a... Oh, this one's pretty crazy. Uh, the Versace Bedouin. Weird as fuck music. Oh, it's a teaser trailer. I want the full thing. Here we go. Make sure there's no ad... Here we go. Where's Okan? Russell Kong, the Versace Bedouin. 
not the worst thing I've ever heard but I gotta say man that she references X-Files I gotta love that I gotta love that um she looks ridiculous in the video which I'm pretty sure she purposely does that she's got the zero fucks hat which is pretty fantastic um the internet though was you know brutal to her it's just talking about how terrible these uh raps were but I love some of these comments in here it's uh one by Thomas uh, at Sav or Thomas Av, AV, whatever, um, says, my condolences to the jury pool members who will undoubtedly be forced to watch this video over and over again. <laughs> uh, I, I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> uh, that would make, man, if I did, if I end up going to serve in jury duty, which, you know, I've had, I've gotten called up a few times. I have uh, not had the pleasure of actually doing it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I feel like that wouldn't be the worst thing ever just to go and watch these YouTube videos. That'd be pretty great. That'd be pretty great. Um, <laughs> uh, Goody writes, uh, the man couldn't allow this much talent to roam the streets. Rest in peace. She's not dead. Uh, and Bender or Bender Aviation writes, at least she'll get more than 50 views on her videos now. Losan1212 says, uh, she's many things, a rapper, an economist, a journalist, a hacker, and a money launderer whose activities would rival even the biggest drug cartels. I mean, fuck yeah, dude. F- over $4 billion? Stolen money? Like, whew. Yeah. That's fucking great. That's that's Pablo Escobar kind of money. I mean, holy shit. Um, that's, uh... <laughs> oh, this is an interesting one. Metal 2400 says, Sounds like one of those educational parody songs where the teacher who produced did their best to make rhymes out of all the facts about mitochondria or whatever, but without the charm. Oh, there is plenty of charm here. There is plenty of charm. Uh, that's, uh... Oh, somebody calls out the Super Bowl shuffle here. What the hell reminds me of when the Chicago Bears put out the Super Bowl shuffle? Come on. I mean, I kind of love the Super Bowl shuffle. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, yeah, I mean, they are in front of, like, Wall Street and stuff. I feel like she did have to spend a little bit of cash, stolen cash, to produce the videos. <laughs> but holy shit. I love the fact that she had this YouTube channel. I Like, I think it's fantastic. 
and you're watching her videos. Some of the videos, like, she's doing some weird shit. I think she's got her foot in her mouth at one point. And, like, uh, she does, she, I mean, she just wanted to be a YouTuber, which is kind of funny. You're being a big-time thief and also want to be famous. It's kind of kind of a problem. There's a... Uh, Rap karaoke with Razzle. Razzle Khan. There's uh, her doing social distancing. She's be-razzling her body with Jaguar. I don't know. There's... <laughs> oh, wow. Unboxing 25 prosthetic eyeballs. <laughs> uh, that's kind of fantastic. There's still not that many people, though. Watching these videos. You think. Let's see here. I didn't look at. Uh, how many views. Yeah, still even the. Versace Bedouin. It's only like 2,000 views. You think that the fact that they stole like $4 billion in Bitcoin. That uh, that would offer them, you know. At least a couple hundred thousand views. I I don't know how like her music didn't go full on uh you know viral at that point. It seems like it would have seeing as that somebody would have had to click on one of these videos like a like a lot of people would, you know? I'm kind of saddened. <laughs> uh her yeah, her fashion choices are are pretty classic there though. She's in like a hot dog costume. That, uh, man, yeah, I would like to see that series, though. See me some Razzlecon. I don't see Bernie Madoff as a hero. I see fucking Heather Morgan, Razzlecon over here. More as a hero, even though that, you know, uh, there probably was some people that, you know, Heather, much like the Madoff thing, had their retirements and such wrapped up in, like, Bitcoin and shit. Um, but crypto's always been a bit on the risky side. Risky, man. Risky. It's risky business without Tom Cruise and the, the tidy whiteies. Which is maybe a plus? I'm not sure. Because Tom Cruise is a bit of a nut job. The whole Scientology thing and just him being Tom Cruise. See, I mean, maybe he's a nice guy. I don't know. I don't know. It is impressive that he continues to do his own stunts and stuff, and even though he's like 60-ish. And, you know, he's kept in good shape. But, again, he seems like a bit of a nut job. Seems like a bit of a nut job. <laughs> uh, risky business, though. He probably wasn't as crazy. He was a young man back then. Very young man. Just dancing in his underwear. Is uh, <laughs> I am losing uh the, my train of thought. As I just have Razzlecon like blown through my head. There's like this. I didn't see the Martha Stewart one in there. Maybe that was the the same song there. I don't think so. It was the the better one? I don't. I don't know the names of her tracks. You know. I know that she's facing some real jail time. But I don't know. I haven't read up 
on those two in a while. I mean, she obviously profited from it as well. I believe at one point, I know they did have a hard time trying to get the money out of it as, uh, like, real actual money and that they tried to get, like, gold, I think, sent to their house or their apartment, rather. That, uh, But, they, I mean, they were able to get some cash, no doubt about that. Uh <clears throat> But there is almost a <laughs> admiration with that, like this big hack that uh, lost in the uh, the whole crypto market. I don't know why I, I'm so excited about that, you know. But then I'll feel bad about some of the old people that lost money to to Bernie. But at the same time, you know, the, there was a lot of people that invested in Bernie that were just f- insanely rich. That I feel zero fucks. I give zero fucks to. I don't feel bad at all that uh, when the mega rich lose a lot of money. Um, I am interested to see the rest of that doc, though. Very interested to see that. I mean, I know how it ends. Bernie Madoff dies. Spoiler alert. (laughs) He dies in prison. Uh, But I guess it doesn't end there because the, the greed, corruption, and just scams that happen with stocks and crypto whatever whatever it is whenever there's a lot of money involved there's going to be a lot of crime a lot of crime there's always always going to be somebody with another ponzi scheme trying to fuck somebody over and you know but they'll they'll ride it out for a little bit they'll give they'll have a good fun for maybe not bernie madoff kind of time where they get it for over 40 years where they're just riding the hog high they're uh It might just last for a year, like uh, the Charles Ponzi or whoever that the started the Ponzi scheme thing, or where it became known as Ponzi scheme. Uh, but, uh, yeah. I know I am pretty excited to see that uh, the, the Star Wars stuff finally coming back. I did to see uh, the Bad Batch season two first two episodes they released which is okay i mean you know i'm I'm a little old for animated shows at this point uh although i could definitely go back and watch the old heavy metal movie that fucking movie is fantastic uh <clears throat> but i mean mandalorian season three is coming out march 1st so we got like two months now before that hits and I'm pretty stoked about that one. Love me some Din Djarin, some Grogu. And there's, you know, other things out on the horizon. I think the Ahsoka one's probably not until maybe next year or the end of this year. Uh, It's been a minute since I looked at the dates on that, but Mando Season 3 is definitely one I am. I am stoked for. It is. It's going to be killer still kind of weird about it the whole willow series like it's all right their choices definitely i do feel like they they went for the young adult audience by making all the most of the main characters like 20 years old which feels weird feels so weird to do that about willow a movie that came out in the 80s that you're going to sell that to fucking young people 
that's kind of shitty that you would bring up, you know, uh, something that people of my age loved uh, as a kid and grew up with that you're going to be like, yeah, we don't really give a shit about it. You're like, yeah, that's great. You love that movie. But, you know, who will really love this movie <laughs> is people that weren't anywhere near alive when it came out. They're going to love the series because, because why? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's doing all right, but it, it seems kind of a slap in the face to the uh, the fans of the original movie that were alive for when it came out. Just like, yeah, we're going to have those original characters in there a little bit. We're not going to really base it so much around them. We're going to, for whatever reason, not have time go by in the same amount of time span in the show as it would have happened in real life. Because that wouldn't have made the main characters older. They should be more like in their 30s. The Laura Dannon and such. Or at least a Laura Dannon. They could have at least had her in her 30s and, you know, Mad Mardikin's daughter could have been still younger. I mean, as far as I know, he didn't knock Sersha up during the original Willow movie. Did Elora Dannon really have to only be like 20 years old or whatever the fuck she's supposed to be? I don't know. I'm confused by the series. It's entertaining. It's entertaining, but... Uh, it doesn't really have the vibes of the original to me that well, that much. Other than the fact Warwick Davis is in every episode. <laughs> There's, Willow is clearly in it. I don't watch it and go, you know, like, this feels like a Howard, uh, Ron Howard picture that, uh, you know, ILM is involved in or or anything like that. I'm not getting the the vibes of that. I'm just like, there's Willow. <laughs> and here's like this generation's uh, Hunger Games. The the young adult Willow. Um. Anyway. Yeah, watch that Bernie Madoff thing. It's it's a good uh, doc, docu-series. And uh, fucking come on, Mando season three. I'm looking forward to see that new Evil Dead movie too, but that's not coming out until like fucking April. We got we got a minute till then. But uh, I guess as always, that is a kid in a wheelchair, not a trash can. Thank <laughs> you.